Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. Thank you, Pastor Rex. Would you bow your heads with me, please, Father? Now, the world views this as hump day. Just struggling to get to the halfway point of our week. But in this house tonight, we have chosen to just come up a little higher with you. This week has been set aside as just your week. And Lord, tonight it's not about us, it's all about you. Because everyone in this house is a recipient of the grace that was purchased on Calvary's Hill. And so tonight I ask you to receive now our praise and our worship that is offered unashamedly to your great name. And Lord, allow us now to hear your word, which is the infallible, never-changing, ever-living word of faith that causes us to go from victory to victory. And could I hear a good amen in the house? Let's give the Lord one more hand clap of praise tonight. Amen. Please be seated. You have worshiped God with such aplomb, and uh, I honor you. What a joy it is to be back at Christian Life. And, and I believe that God has planted in my spirit a word for this congregation this night and this occasion. And uh, my mentor used to say it this way. Verily, verily, I say unto you, blessed is he who has something to say, for he shall not be afraid to say it. And it's usually people that have nothing to say that are always nervous and uh, afraid they're going to mess up or they're going to say the wrong thing. If God has given you something to say, then you won't be afraid to say it. I ask you to turn with me in your Bibles, your iPhones, and your iPads tonight to the 16th chapter of Matthew, and uh, I want to begin there with just the backdrop for my remarks this evening from this platform. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 28, Jesus Christ gathers his disciples together, and having them all together with him... This is what he says to them, Verily I say unto you, There be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And then Matthew picks up with chapter 17, verse 1, six days later. And this is what he says in the gospel narrative. 
And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment as white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. And if thou wilt, we will just build three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them saying, tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. My subject tonight in this Holy Week service is simply this. I want to talk to you tonight about a preview of a coming attraction. I want to talk about a preview of a coming attraction. Now, Pastor Rex has, uh, in his introductory remarks, uh, talked about our golf. And uh, uh, we, uh, we be brothers from different mothers that were very similar in nature, and uh, that's a whole different story. But uh, uh, his, his, his recreation uh, is golf, my recreation is golf, and um, uh, we enjoy it, whether we play well or not, we just enjoy life. Now our wives, they have other interests in life. Patty and Sherry, uh, I would say probably that, that one of their joys is shopping. And uh, Pastor Rex and I are just glad that they don't spend as much shopping as we do golfing. <laughs> or we would be in trouble. And uh, 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 we just, uh, uh, as he stated, we, we, we just enjoy doing life together. And uh, yet there's something that, that, that Sherry and I uh, uh, enjoy every now and then, and that is to slip away on a date and, and, and go and take in uh, a movie. And uh, uh, with me, it has to be something that is rooted in history. It has to have some degree of, of reality. You will never find Ron Lyles at a science fiction flick. 
Uh, you'll find your pastor there at uh, one that uh, where everything blows up and, and uh, there's chaos because he can handle it. I can't. Uh, I, 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 it's got to be just a little bit more toward the real side of things for me. But uh, uh, Sherry and I do slip away and catch a film every now and then. And, 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 and I don't know a whole lot about cinematography. I, I, I do not know a whole lot about the backdrop of, of films. All I know is that, that when we go to see a film... I know that there's two things that are always going to happen at the theater. Number one, at the end of every film, they are going to roll the credits. And uh, there are, uh, uh, it can go on for some time, just just the rolling of the credits of of everyone that participated in any any shape, form, or fashion in the production of of this work of art. And uh, I have noticed that most people have a tendency to get up during the rolling of the credits and leave. It's just kind of like at church. (laughs) Church is over. We're not going to hang around to see who gets the credit. Nobody really knows who worked hard to make it happen. No one really knows that the praise and worship team were here hours before and, and, and uh, uh, Daedra got here and, and, and I was in the office, uh, Sherry and I were in the office and the glory of God was shaking this place before anybody else got here tonight. I just want to go on record tonight at CLC to say, don't be too quick to leave. Stay around for the rolling of the credits. But the other thing that I have noticed about the the film industry is that while they have you as a captive audience, before the main attraction starts, they are going to give you a preview of a coming attraction. They're going to try their very best to hook you in to a future event, a future happening that is going to transpire and is going to come to pass. And so therefore, if any of you are thinking about catching a film, uh, just please remember Pastor Ron that uh, he doesn't know a whole lot about a whole lot, but he does know that they roll the credits, and he does know when he's a captive audience, and he has to watch those previews of coming attractions. And I began to think about that particular aspect of things in relationship to the infallible Word of God. I want to go on record from this platform tonight as telling this Wednesday night intelligent audience that The Word of God is a living book. No matter how much I read it, I still find that there's something else in it that I have not yet to this point discovered. I find that it addresses so many areas of life itself. I would just simply say tonight that 
when I think that I understand it very well, it seems to just jump off of the parchment and it speaks again very loudly. Maybe it will just be a word or a phrase or maybe sometimes a whole sentence or there have been times that I have been ministered to by the word of God and its instruction with just my fascination with a conjunction. That little word that connects the past with the future. That that connects yesterday with my tomorrow. And so tonight, let me just establish in your thinking that the word of God has us here tonight to let us know that it will address our yesterdays. We live in an age of so much confusion. But can I tell you that what Easter is all about and what the resurrection of the Lord is all about is that heaven took care of our past and our yesterdays. And the word of God declares tonight that he stands at the focal point of our lives and pronounces benedictions on our past and allows us to walk into our present with a newness of life upon us and a countenance that is changed forever. I just simply say that the word of God will actually reach out and address our past. But not only that, the word of God is very magnificent in its ability to minister to our present. In fact, laced through the tapestry of God's word are words like immediately. And then it will tell the story of what happened in the present tense immediately. There are terms that are used in scripture that says, and straightway they went to a certain place. There are words in the scripture that declare that suddenly the miraculous happened. In fact, the Bible says that there was a woman that had an issue of blood in her life that was untouched and incurable by every source that she had sought help uh, concerning this condition in her body. But she decided in the now to take a chance on her miracle. I have come to Austin to simply tell someone tonight that tonight could be your night if you will hear the word of the Lord that our God is a now God and if you're willing to believe in him, he is a God that can do things in your now. Come on, somebody praise him tonight with me. But where we get in trouble is believing God about our future. This week has been a strange week and, and uh, uh, there's been those that on social media and every other source imaginable have uh, been uh, talking about the blood moon. 
Uh, there's a great interest in the future. What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen in our tomorrows? I have a philosophy that I would like to present to you tonight. Get right, stay right, and leave the rest up to God. Can I just simply tell you that whether the moon is red or whether the moon is yellow, whether the moon is blue or whether the moon is, is non-existent, I just come tonight to tell you that God's got our future in the palm of his hand. And God's wanting us as his people to just simply fall in love with him enough to trust him and his infallible word to take care of our futures. But this is what happened to humanity. This is what happened with Jesus and his disciples in Matthew 16. Jesus has them all together. And he says, verily I say unto you, fellas, that some of you standing here shall not see death till you see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And uh, there was a rumble that ran through that, that group of disciples, no doubt, because instantly they, like us, began to translate his words through the prism of their own desires and their own opinions. You have to understand that what the general attitude of that day and time was, that when Messiah arrives, he is going to set up an earthly kingdom. He's going to overthrow the Roman rule. And no longer will we be slaves. But now, when Messiah comes... We're going to be kings and priests and rulers over our captors and our rulers of the past and his kingdom is going to be an earthly kingdom. Isn't it indicative of us that we interpret so much of God and his plan through our prism and our desires and what we want to see. Now stay with me. The Bible then picks up the story six days later when Jesus walks by three of these disciples and says, fellas, uh, I'm forming a little cell group, a small group ministry. And I would like to invite you, Peter, James, and John, to come on a retreat with me and uh, I, I would like to take you away, and I would like to take you to a higher place than you are now living. And so the scripture tells us emphatically that Jesus took Peter, James, and John up into a high mountain and then note the word apart. There's two elements here. He took them to a high mountain and he took them to a place of separation. Could I just suggest tonight that you will never know true revelation without separation. 
As long as you choose to live in the lowlands of human understanding, human reasoning, thinking that, that, that Jesus is going to establish an earthly kingdom and, 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 and you're going to be at his right hand and his left hand and, 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 and their mother was jockeying for influence for them in an earthly kingdom. And now Jesus says, fellas, you won't see death until you see my true kingdom coming to this world. I stand in this place tonight and I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit when I tell somebody that if you're going to serve God like God has intended for you to serve him, it might involve you breaking away from some of your past. Put it down. It might involve you coming away this Easter season from uh, the negativity that tries to penetrate your thinking every day. That that tells you that it can't be done when Jesus has just walked by and said, I'd like to invite you to come away to a higher place of living and I want you to come apart from the rest of the world. Oh, friend of mine, let me just tell you tonight that there is an awakening and there is an anointing that God is pouring out and it's not for what you now are, it's what you are going to be because the Lord wants to give you a preview of a coming attraction that is about to transpire. And so it was that when they got to the mountain, the Bible says that in verse number 2 of chapter 17 that Jesus was transfigured before them and his face did shine. And the next thing that happened is when they looked at this, this, this scene, they saw standing on one side of him Moses and on the other side of him Elijah. And Jesus and Moses and Elijah are, are carrying on a conversation and Peter, James, and John are trying to figure out what this movie is that they're seeing. <laughs> Could I just simply tell you that these guys had not gotten to the main feature. This was just a preview. This was 60 days before the main event. This was 60 days prior to Good Friday, to Easter. This was 60 days before the main attraction was going to be there on the big screen for the whole world to see. 
But Jesus was calling the minority to a higher place, apart. And now he begins to mess with their vision. Let me tell you something, friend. If you ever decide to come apart with the Lord and to do life with him, he will mess with your stuff. He will mess with your vision. Some things you thought you had all figured out, you didn't have anything figured out. Daedra said it so well up here tonight. Oh, there's sometimes you've just got to lay down all your degrees and all your education, all your understanding. You've got to, you've just got to, you, you, you've got to just fall at his feet. And you've got to watch the preview. Because he's fixing to unveil something that the world had never seen before. And ladies and gentlemen, the world's never gotten over it. And they're getting to watch and participate. You understand that Moses was a type. Moses was a type of kingship. He was a type of a deliverer. He was the type of the one that led his people forth from bondage And now Jesus is showing them in types and shadows in this preview that Moses is a part of this. Before Moses was, I am. And Elijah was the prophet of fire. Oh, hallelujah. I felt some fire in the house tonight. (laughs) when I was a very young pastor I got a letter from uh, an 89 year old pastor and uh, he was on his deathbed when he wrote me this letter and he he had his old typewriter does anybody in the house remember those old those old, those old typewriters. Uh, before the, before, well, there's some of you that don't remember days before computers. God bless your heart. He had one of those old hunting peck typewriters. And he wrote me a letter. And I still have that letter in my files, and this is what he said. He said, Brother Ron, he said, I can't do for God what I used to do because I'm confined to this bed. But he said, I'm just writing you as a young preacher to let you know that I still have fire shut up in my bones. And I've still got that letter. The other day, I walked into his grandson's church in Houston. And uh, 
I told his grandson, who is the pastor now of this 100-year-old church that his granddad started, I told him the story of what his granddad sent me when I was just 27. And he listened very carefully to my story, and he said, Ron, he said, would you like to see that typewriter that my granddad wrote you that letter on? And I said, would I? And he took me back to his office, and there in his office was a hutch with memorabilia of his granddad's, and right in the middle was that typewriter that he pecked that out and misspelled some words. <laughs> he said, I just want you to know that I've still got some fire shutting in my bones. I kind of feel like that Jesus was trying to just whet their appetite that the coming attraction was going to be an attraction of the miraculous. It was going to be one that would lead people from bondage to liberty. But it was not going to leave them alone and empty. But he was going to come with the baptism of Holy Ghost fire. And so it was that Jesus just started at the beginning and he let them in this preview see that in the word of God there's the Father in creation and the Son in redemption and the Holy Ghost in regeneration. He let them see likewise that there was a, a, a covenant that he had made with Moses and with Elijah and therefore, the Bible also refers to the fact that when the Bible says two things at one time, verily, verily, I say unto you, you need to take heed of that because it's covenant words. But then, Peter let his humanity come through again. At that part of the preview, he said, stop everything. This is good enough, Jesus. If you'll just okay it, we'll turn this into religion. And we'll build some tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, and we'll just codify this and turn this into a, to a massive religious experience where people can make the pilgrimage to the mountain. And about that time, Moses and Elijah disappeared. And the Bible says when they looked up again, all they saw was Jesus. Could I just simply tell somebody in this house tonight that what we're celebrating this week is Jesus. Come on now. Can I tell you the reason we're celebrating him this week 
is because they've never found his body. Because in the main attraction, the tomb could not hold him. The cross could not hold him up. Could I tell you, could I tell you that if you want a revelation of the one true and living God, that one that was and is and is to come, the Almighty, lift up your head this Easter season. And allow yourself to simply say, Lord, it's not going to be about religion with me. It's going to be about me having a relationship with you. When I saw the preview, it made me want to see the full version. Oh, hallelujah. Lord have mercy, I've got more to say than when I started. And I've got less time to say it in. I've gone over. Let me wrap this up. 60 days later. It happened just like Jesus said it was going to happen. Some of you shall not taste death till you find out what my kingdom's all about. My kingdom is about going to a mountain, going to Golgotha, one drop of my blood is going to be shed for everyone's sins, both past, present, and future. It's what my kingdom's about. It's not about stinking politics down here. My father will lift up and bring down as he sees fit. But my kingdom goes beyond that. And what I was trying to show you on that mountaintop was just a preview of what's going to happen on another mountaintop. The Bible says that there he gave himself a ransom. For many. And then if you read the 27th and 28th chapters of Matthew's narrative, you'll find that they feared that his followers would steal his body out of the tomb. And so they got permission to set guards there. They guarded his tomb because they had a plan that they felt could checkmate heaven's plan. But could I just simply tell you that when the main attraction arrives, neither death, hell, nor the grave can block heaven's plan. Because on that Easter morning, early in the morning, when Peter and John heard that just possibly something had happened, 
something different was happening in that garden. And when they ran to where they had laid his body in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, and they ran up and the guards that guarded his tomb were laying out his dead men. And now the angel of the Lord simply speaks to them and says, Fellas, be not afraid. He's not here. He's risen. He's risen. He's risen. This is his kingdom. This is the main event. 2,000 years later, oh, this week we celebrate not just the transfigured Christ, but we celebrate the resurrected Christ who was once dead but now is alive forevermore. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. And so, Matthew 28 says this. After they had gone back and told the rest of the disciples about what they had experienced, the Bible says in verse 16, and then the 11 disciples, all of the rest of them save Judas, then the 11 disciples came away into Galilee and went into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. <laughs> I'd never noticed this till the other day. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. Could I just conclude this little Wednesday night sermon by simply saying that when Jesus appeared to them in the resurrected form on that mountaintop, it was not a preview, it was the real deal. Another writer says that he appeared unto them when they were locked behind closed doors. And those that doubted, a part of the real narrative was that he held out his hands and said, look at my hands that were pierced with nails and cast your hand into my side and touch my side that was riven by a spear. This is not just a vision now, this is the real story. And what he is looking for tonight in this house is for someone that will not doubt and will believe. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.